time has come. The time is now. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the MMA edition as we lock in the triangle and ease you into submission with another dose of that performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, in fact, the voice that you hear. Just about ready to tag in my main man, Muhammad King Mo Lawal, for another loaded show as we react to the latest news in MMA and really combat sports in general on topics like will we see GSP McGregor in UFC, Joshua Wilder in a heavyweight boxing showdown. Hey, how about Cena Taker at WrestleMania? Yes, King Moe's got you covered on all that and more, including some deep MMA analysis on Brian Ortega's chance at UFC Gold. The controversy surrounding Bellator's signing of MMA legend Mirko Krokop and how UFC should promote CM Punk moving forward as we get closer to UFC 225 in Chicago. We will also have a sit-down chat with UFC heavyweight champ Stipe Miocic, who talks about his new sponsorship, overcoming his critics entering UFC 220, and why he's confident his July 7th super fight against 205-pound champ Daniel Cormier will go his way. Stipe's also going to break down why he's still interested in facing the likes of Brock Lesnar, maybe even Joshua and Wilder on the boxing side of things should he get past DC. But before we summon the audio magic, let me remind you to do your part in this audio revolution by leaving the podcast, the ITC, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't already done so, it goes a long way. So with the business behind us, let's get the audio party started. Enjoy. Yeah, it's King Mo, it's BC, coming back at you, MMA style. King Mo, I want to know right now, where in the world are you? Because we know we're getting closer to that May 12th date. Ryan Bader, Bellator World Grand Prix, San Jose. Holler if you hear me. You look in shape over the Skype feed, all right? You're always in shape. What's going on, my man? Well, you know, um, right now I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm taking care of some business with the boy Alan Green. We getting ready for this fight. We, you know, we're gonna make a statement in this fight. Uh, I'm I'm very confident. I feel great. This is the best I've fought in a long time. I'm gonna punish Bader, straight up. I'm serious. I'm gonna punish Bader. I'm 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 ahead of shit. I'm I'm ahead of schedule right now. I've been getting work in. I'm ready, man. It's, I feel great. I love it. I love it. This sounds like prime King Mo right here. He's talking about hurting him months in advance. I like this. I like this style. Oh yeah, well, play like this. This is this is even better than prime. This is this is me being healthy. I've been I've been fighting injured for a while. And I just hand it. I just I just did it because I like to fight. But now I'm fighting with no injuries, man. I, we all have nagging injuries, but I mean no severe injuries. So I'm, oh man, I'm great. I I can't wait. I cannot wait. Trust me. You, when you see this fight after the fight, you're like, man, Mo, you were right. You were right. Trust me on this. I love it. I love it. The beard's getting thick. You got a little Baron Davis vibe going right now. You know that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, man. It's, it's that it's that Taliban ready beard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Taliban ready. <laughs> well, King Mo, I hope it's warm in Oklahoma. You can probably hear the coughing in my voice. I'm fighting a cold. It's snowing again in Connecticut. I just can't wait for this winter to finally come to an end. But I'll I'll bite down hard and brace. That's why you live in Florida, right? To stay young. Yeah, stay young, stay healthy. No taxes. Love it. That's that's the life right there. We got a lot of MMA headlines to hit up, but I'm as excited as any of our listeners to hear what King Mo thinks about heavyweight boxing fresh off that Deontay Wilder 
rally, comeback to stop Luis Ortiz, a guy who, who, who you know and have sparred with to defend that WBC heavyweight championship. Kingbo, this felt like heavyweight boxing of old. I was ringside in Brooklyn. I got the feels. But there's a lot of different takes and opinions you can come up with depending on whether you like what you saw from Wilder. What did you think? No, you were you were hot on this match coming in. What were your takeaways? Okay, well let me let me say, let me say something real quick. Now, you know what's funny? I was talking to my homeboy like a few days ago, and we we're talking, and I was like, "Hey, think about this. This time, over the past eight years, around this time, we would be talking about welterweights, yes, not heavyweights. So everything's changed. There's one, two. Um, this fight was like it was a great fight." But I feel like it was a step behind the Klitschko Joshua fight. For the reason, the Klitschko Joshua fight, I didn't hear one boo. Now, for the Wilder Ortiz fight, I heard a bunch of boos. Yes. The first, first, here, give it a second. The first four rounds, definitely, then round, round, um, and parts of round six, I believe, and certain spots, I heard some booing. Two, three, the pace of the fight was good towards the end. But in the beginning, the, the pace was, was, Dead, was deathly slow. It was it was it was Lewis Ortiz that was bringing the fight. Lewis made the fight interesting. Now, the controversy made it even more like, hey, let's run it back because now think about this: when, when years ago, when Magomed Abdusalamov got got beat um, by uh, Mike Perez, they were doing stuff to check out people's brains. You know, in between rounds, just people get hurt. When Deontay Wilder got, got beat up in the seventh round or the sixth round, one of the rounds. Seventh round, got battered next, from yeah, pillar to post. Yeah, yeah, seventh round. Coming to eighth round, the beginning of the eighth round, they checked on him. And they're like, it's protocol, right? Remember, they stopped, they stopped the fight. Like, hey, come over here to talk to the doctor. Now, when Lewis Ortiz got dropped in the fourth, or was it the fourth or fifth? He dropped in the coming fifth. Out, yeah, the fifth, coming out in the sixth, you didn't see the doctor stop the, stop, stop the fight early and be like, hey, Lewis, let me look at your eyes. Let me see if you're okay. They never did that for Lewis. This is certainly fair criticism for anybody that, that doesn't know the specifics here. You know, Wilder rallies and gets the win, but there's some people going, hey, this just didn't feel right. Why are you st- – one round after Wilder gets beaten, you know, across one end of the ring to the other but never goes down, why are we stopping the beginning of the next round for 20 seconds? Isn't that normally done in the corners? It normally is, right? The commission jumps in. They sort of get a look at a guy to see if he can continue. I fully get that point, just as I get the point that when we saw the scorecards when the fight was stopped, all three judges had Wilder up, and you look at their scorecards, they split the opening four rounds where anyone watching was clear. They were boring, but they were boring for a reason because Perez, I'm sorry, Ortiz was giving Wilder something to think about and he completely disarmed him and was just jabbing, jabbing, countering off the jab. So it felt like there was a lot going against Ortiz. And I hate to say that's boxing, but we see that kind of crap a lot from Canelo Triple G with that scorecard right through this moment right here. Yeah. At the same time, it's sports because whenever something. Whenever, whenever money's involved, there's a chance to make big money. Without a tournament system, it's, it's, it's pretty much um, it's sports. When you have a tournament system, then, uh, then, you, then the, 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 the rightful winning, winners face the end. But when you have a system where there is no true tournament, you can pick and choose and you can kind of finagle and modify things to get the right winner. But the good news is, though, we almost have a de facto tournament now because Wilder stops Ortiz in by far his toughest challenge to date. He showed a ton of heart. He showed the powers for real. Now we're going to see Anthony Joshua, Joseph Parker, March 31st. 
And now we're really starting to believe we're going to see the winners face each other because, you know, for a while, Eddie Hearn, the promoter of Anthony Joshua, was like, let's wait till 2019. Let's build up the brand. Now you got Hearn saying, hey, if Joshua wins in March, let's, you know, let's strike while the iron's hot. Let's make this happen now. So I always make the comparison, King. Well, look, these guys are not Frazier and Ali. They're not Holyfield and Bo and Tyson. They're not on that level. But they make fun fights. And I think boxing's health needs that right now. We can get what? Wilder Joshua potentially in 2018. That's great news. Yeah, but the thing is, like, personally, I would mind, I wouldn't mind seeing them like seeing them each fight one more person to eliminate any other obstacles. Like, let someone beat up beat up Jarrell Miller, big baby, get big baby out of there. Um, if there's anybody else, um, like um, big baby's the only one I can think of right now that that's worth this that that's a big name that needs to be beat. You know, what I'm saying? Well, Tyson I was, I was Fury's in the Eddie. bullpen. Tyson Fury's trying to slim down some pounds. There's rumors that he may sign a yeah. promotional deal with Eddie Hearn. And Eddie was quoted yeah. as saying, if you sign with me, I will create a path to Joshua for you. So you know that's the big curveball potential in this. No, and, and the thing is, the thing is, I like that because, like, you know, we could have Joshua um, Wilder right now, but I, I'd rather take, take care of the loose ends. So just take care of the loose ends because – then we take the loose kids, it, it gives a chance for the younger, the younger talent, and the younger talent to come up. Because the thing is that in the past, the loose ends were there. So whenever young, the young talent would come up, they get beat by a gatekeeper. So you never saw no new talent. So what we should do is let the loose ends get beat and let the, the, the young talent, because there's a bunch of young talent there, out there heavyweight that hasn't been, like, hasn't had a chance to shine yet. You know, and uh, I feel like if we, if we get rid of the loose ends, we can give a chance for the young, the young heavyweights to come up and 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 let, let the heavyweight let, let the heavyweight division to pr- prosper. And I'm and not, grow. I agree. And I'm not as scared to the idea of if you want to wait till 2019. I'm not like, well, one of them could lose in the meantime. By the way, one of them could lose in the meantime, and that's what makes this heavyweight division fun. But I look at it as in the 90s, guys were taking losses a lot, yeah. but they would bounce back. Right? It was a great group of yeah. heavyweights. Everyone and- fought each other. Let's say Wilder doesn't get Joshua next, and let's say he gets upset by somebody in the summer. Well, look, then you got a built-in rematch. That doesn't mean Wilder can't come back and win that rematch and still get Joshua. I know everybody wants the idea of unbeaten versus unbeaten, but let's just have a fun division where everybody fights each other. You know, let, let it play out. Roll the dice out. Let's see what happens. Well, I, I, well, it's like this. If Wilder loses or Joshua lose, it'd be, even, it'd be a better fight because then you'd see the best of the best because if you have a loss – and you learn from that loss, then you should come back better. You know what I'm saying? But some people have losses, and instead of learning, they, they freeze up or they just keep on doing what they're doing and they get worse. So, you know, I, personally, me, as a fight fan, um, a loss means nothing. You know, uh, what, what matters the most is how you back, bounce back from adversity. That's and that's what I like about. to see from fighters. All right, two quick answers here from me I want. One, Wilder's raw. He's like a caveman in there. But we saw in this fight that right hand, his chin, his will, they seem to be for real. How do you beat this version of Deontay Wilder, who is so damn confident, King Mo, and that seems to be a big part of his success? Well, his chin was good, but the thing is, Lewis didn't get a chance to land solid. Like, Lewis is land on top of the head. Lewis didn't land on the bottom part of the jaw. And the other thing about Deontay is he's so tall, he can lean back. He can lean back. Now, one thing that people... people um, um, they like Deontay's power, but what's going to hurt him is Joshua's jab. And the fact that Joshua slimmed up more. Have you seen, jo- have you seen Joshua look recently? No, I haven't, He's but that's a good five. idea, by the way, to not be 250 and look like you're ready to play for the Chicago Bears, a linebacker, right? Yeah, I saw him do the, the, do, um, doing, doing, just doing shadow boxing. 
And when I say he's like, he looks like he weighs about 230 now, looks like maybe 235. He's leaned up, fast hands. I think that that's the right move for him. Um, but at the same time, let's see how, we, like, you know, he's used to being the bigger guy. Let's see how that, let's see how that works with him being leaner. Because we see with LeBron James, I feel like he was bigger as a bigger guy. Some guys are bigger, better, heavier. Same thing with Daniel. So, I think Dan Cormier is better, heavier. All right, so, so this is an interesting debate because see. Joshua's got the biggest hole in Joshua's game outside of a questionable chin is his stamina problems. And look, we I know we're talking, let's do Wilder Joshua, but obviously Joshua has to first get by Joseph Parker later this month. But those could those stamina problems be hedged by dropping 15 pounds? Potentially? Well, if, well not just drop, yeah, dropping, but working and um, and doing things like straight with the strength coach. You got to give it the right strength coach. They can do things to trim off that muscle. But the thing is, as you trim the muscle off, you don't want to develop slow twitch fibers. You want to still keep your speed. Because there's sometimes, there's sometimes like Chris Berg, for instance, when Chris Berg fought Sean George um, at light heavyweight, he dropped down from heavyweight. He looked slower because he did so much long distance road work. He did everything for time to, to trim down. So when he fought Sean George, he looked flat and got beat up. He looked flat and sucked down. So that can happen to you if you overtrain. But if, if Joshua's smart and he has the right people around him, which I believe he does, he will make the right adjustments and make the right moves to be, to be leaner and keep the same speed and power. Well, Wilder came in at a at 214 pounds, which was the second lowest of his career. The reason seemed to be because he said he got the flu the last two weeks and didn't want to talk about it. But I also felt like his goal in that fight was to try to go 12, to, to be a track athlete if he had to. And I like this, this question I like to ask fighters a lot, and I want you to hear your take. You know, the whole the, the idea of your chin. How much mental is it? How much physical? I had Danny Garcia on the boxing pod last month. He said, it's, it's mental, but it's about how, how good a shape you are in. That helps you have a great chin. And I feel like Wilder being in that sick a shape that he was, 214, lean and ripped, it seemed to help the idea that he was going to outlast Ortiz no matter what he was going to get hit with. Yeah, um, I, don't believe that, I don't believe that Deontay had the flu. I believe Deontay wanted to come in lighter and be more agile because if you look closely on Instagram and other pictures, you saw – Malik Scott in camp with uh with uh, um with Deontay and Malik Scott granted he looked terrible versus Ortiz but he had a smart game plan by sticking to moving he didn't win a round but he he went the whole he went the whole fight so with him and Deontay Wilder being good friends I believe that you know Malik might have gave him some 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 pointers because you see how you see how Deontay was fighting he went too aggressive he was kind of like pawn with the jab moving and really I. He was losing, you know, but he happened to he he, he uh he weathered the storm and won. That's what he did. He he showed uh he showed the heart of a champion. And I think what you said there subconsciously is that uh, Instagram is where the secrets are, right? Instagram is where you show some things. Because yeah. I looked on King Mo's Instagram, I saw some work with Junior Dos Santos. Tell me about those sessions. Oh man, you know, uh, well, I was I sparred with Junior a few times, but this time me and Junior were called to go spar. And give a guy a pro boxer work, um, a guy named Trevor Bryan. We gave Brian Jennings work like two weeks ago. We got an undefeated boxer named uh, Trevor Bryan. He's he's uh, trained by Stacey McKinley and uh, promoted by Don King. But he's fighting BJ Flores in about four weeks. So uh, I've been giving them work and uh, giving I've given them probably about twenty something rounds over the past two weeks. So uh, right now he's back in New York, but uh, he'll come back when I get back to Florida. We'll resume the um, sparring. All right, all right. So no one-on-one with Sagano in there. Well, I, I, well, we have before, but this this time, Mike, you know, uh, he, I don't think he was. He's not in shape to really go uh, to go that many rounds like that. 
King Mo's like, you want me to give you some juicy stories. We didn't do it. We didn't. It didn't happen. All right. We're just working out. We're just working <laughs> out. King Mo, yeah. to move into, to slide into those MMA DMs, we got to talk about UFC 222 two weeks ago from Las Vegas because there's some interesting fallout here. Not a lot to say about the main event, but let's say it quick. Cyborg destroyed Yana Kunitskaya like we thought in two minutes. Uh, how do they matchmake her moving forward, King Mo? It's, this division is a joke because you know what? There's no division. We know this. So it's got to be all super fights from here, right? Because they won't even populate a rankings list on the UFC's website. I know I keep bringing this up, but it's like, how many more of these squash matches can we have before people are like, hey, UFC, you don't have anything here. Like, you've got something. Cyborg's legit. We're not saying that. I'm saying you didn't build an infrastructure around her. Well, that's what they mean, you know? And that's something that people that hardcore fight fans know. People that study the, the fight business, the fight game. Now, for the most part, UFC fans don't know. That's why the UFC keeps on doing it. The moment they know is when people quit watching pay-per-views. Like, like, when things aren't good and people stop watching, then you make changes. Right now, things aren't good. People are still watching. No need to make changes. Just keep it the same. I thought they were propping up Kat Zingano, who came back from a two-year layoff, ended up losing to unbeaten Ketlin Vieira on this uh, pay-per-view main card to open it. I felt like they were propping up her name for a potential cyborg opponent, but that seems now not happening. And we know, King Mo, that just recently, UFC 224, that's a May 12th card in Brazil, the main event's going to be Amanda Nunez against Raquel Pennington for that Bantamweight title, so it doesn't look like Nunez is next for Cyborg, although Pennington, by the way, got fired up and told the ESPN, I was pretty mad when UFC was talking about doing Cyborg Nunez because I was next in line. She says, I'll go up to 45 and fight Cyborg if they need it. So if you're booking, who do you have Cyborg face next? Holly Holm wants the rematch, but the cupboard is empty, King. Uh, I was like this, right? Amanda's about home, but I think I don't think Amanda's too small right now. Um, Raquel Pantin would get beat up. Wait, you'd ruin um, both. You'd ruin both of those names by doing this, right? I, I know, I know. Um, um, Holly Holm make she can survive, but will she win? Unless she changes something, no. Um, she's too green in MMA right now for Cyborg. She's still learning. Um, right now, Cyborg's too good. If I were the UFC, I would, I would talk to Dana and I'd be like, "Hey, Dana, let's book Cyborg for some boxing matches." Let's get the Zufa boxing thing going. Let's let her be active in boxing, kickboxing, MMA, and put the UFC brand on her, sponsor her, and have her go out there and, and beat the best fighters available in other disciplines. Now, that's interesting, King Mo, because uh, Dana White over the weekend was at what appeared to be his son's amateur boxing match, and everybody, including Lorenzo Fertitta, dressed in those Zufa boxing t-shirts. Something's happening here. Yeah, something's happening, but in ain't going to be that successful unless unless if they were smart, what they do is they find tough guys to fight. Because the thing is that if you get people that are too skilled, a lot of the, the MMA fans will be like, oh, what is this? You know, you know, mainly UFC fans. But if you get guys that go out there and just bang it out, you know, like get signed by Brandon Rios, Mike Alvarado guys, you know what I'm saying? Sign like Errol Spences, sign guys that seek and destroy fighters. Then MMA fans slash UFC fans will tune in to watch that on the Fight Pass or or in any type of UFC promoted card because they'll watch they'll watch those action packed fighters, but they won't watch guys that are too technical. This is so weird, by the way. That it's 2018. 
you know, less than two years since the UFC's biggest year ever. And we're actually every week talking about the head of UFC. The, the, the president of UFC is starting his own boxing promotion and won't stop flaunting it while UFC's pay-per-view numbers continue to die. It's just so weird well, that this is our well, normal. Well, let's, let's think about this. The same guy that was saying that, um, that wants to start Zufa Boxing was saying boxing was dead three years ago. Boxing's dead. Oh, no one wants to watch boxing. I mean, I have, I have Ronda Rousey would beat Floyd. Oh, Paige Van Zandt would beat Floyd. Oh, Conor would murder Floyd. Uh, so pretty much, if you think about it, the UFC right now, they spent time building their brand by using Floyd's name, and it, it, it's they they got they got to get back to the basics and find something and change something up because, you know, um. Bellator is looking like the, you know, you know the, the 400 meter dash or the mile, actually the mile, right? Bellator is, you know, the last lap when they ring that bell. We're, we're, we're at the last 200 meters, right? The UFC is 50 meters ahead, but Bellator is sprinting. Oh, wow. We're sprinting. Close we're sprinting. Distance. Yep. And we're going we're gonna to suck them up. We're going to pass them because the moves they're making, mm, I, they're good for some people, but they're not good for all. And they're, right now, they're looking bad for the fans. So until things change, we're going to see declines. I don't hate that Nunes, uh, Nunez-Pennington bout, though, at, at 224 in May. That seems like a pretty good fight on paper. What do you think? Great fight on paper because we can find out if Amanda truly got past her cardio issue. Now, Raquel is very durable. She, she has lungs like no other because she trains in Colorado. Tough. You know, her hands aren't that bad. You know, she's, she's a volume fighter. You know, not too clean technically, but she'll come with it. Um, people, she'll be in your face. She's not hard to find. So if Amanda, if, if Amanda can't get her out of there early, what happens later? That's the question. Oh, that's fair. You know, the questions, though, for Raquel being off more than a year. We haven't seen her since she retired. Misha Tate at 205. She had that leg injury and that hunting accident. So a couple questions, but that that's a good fight. But the real headline out of 222, of course, King Mo, was that co-main event when, when T-City <laughs> represented stopping 36-year-old Frankie Edgar for the first time in Edgar's career. First-round knockout. Look, I had I had the upset angle. I, I thought this was a trap fight for Frankie, but I didn't have Ortega knocking him out in less than a couple minutes. Holy cow, Kingbo! This is this is how you do it. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, my thoughts on it really. TC did his thing, but two, Frankie Edgar. You know, um, I think it's more what he did because you know he took a fight versus a younger guy that that you know a short notice. Second, when he fought. He still has the young guy's fight style. The blitz, blitz, go, go, go. Ooh, I like, I like that. Take. Explain. So he's still fighting like he's 25, but it's going to catch up with him, and it did, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, because the thing is that now he's, he's free. He, he don't got to fight. Like, he lets it go, but Frankie, slow down, because the fight's there. You've been doing this. Because it's like he fights like, like there's no tomorrow, which is good, but sometimes you got to sit back and enjoy the moment, relax, you know, slow things down. Go out there, pick them apart. Make him think, faint him, walk him off. Boom, 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 leg kick, faint. Go for a takedown when you defend, throw punches. You know, but he, he does that, but he doesn't. He, he, he's a guy that comes. He comes and comes and comes and comes and comes. You really never see him step no counter shots. He's always, always takes the lead. Like, like, I play cat and mouse, you know what I'm saying, Tom and Jerry. But, you know, he plays straight Tom the cat. Should he have learned the from the, that, that Aldo loss at UFC 200 when he essentially just got schooled with counter shots from the outside? Well, you, you know what? Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, but the thing is that that's his style. You know, and uh, 
is the way he's trained. That's how he. That's how he does things. It's hard to break that once you've been fighting that way for a long time. Sometimes you gotta, um, in order to make some changes, you gotta train with different people. You gotta get different looks, or you know, some. You know, I, I'm pretty sure he gets different looks, but sometimes you gotta think outside the box. And I hope Frankie watches back that fight, goes back and watches that fight, realizes that hey, I could have done. You know, I could change things up a little bit more. I could been a little. He could fight. He could fight at a more measured pace. You understand what I'm saying? Like I feel like sometimes he's too. Uh, too frantic sometimes. Well, he may have been too frantic on the business side, King Mo. And while we always have respected his heart, willingness to fight anyone in the modern day UFC business climate of 2018, I think you have to hindsight is 2020 to say, hey, Frankie, you weren't even getting a cheap interim belt in this fight, right? Like you were willing to save the card for UFC after Max Holloway pulled out. Well, you fought a guy arguably just as dangerous for nothing. You already had the title shot locked up. So in hindsight, in 2018, King Mo, should Frankie have stood his ground and said, I'm sorry, UFC, unless you unless you throw me a jobber, I'm not going to risk my title shot here against this hot guy. Maybe. It depends on what the UFC gave him behind the scenes. That's fair. Fin- sure I mean, financially, it could have been worth it. That's fair. Yeah, it could have been, been something. Or, or Frankie is like me. Like, you know, you don't believe in no boogeyman. There ain't no such thing as a boogeyman. The boogeyman don't exist on earth. There is no boogeyman. Only boogeyman's in our mind. And I feel like Frankie might have been like, you know what? I'm gonna beat this young kid up. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of business. And I think, I think in a five round fight, I think Frankie would. I think in a five round fight, he would fight a little different. Sometimes in a three round fight, no lie, you 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 have to fight with a friend. I didn't think about that. You have to. The pace changes. It's like when you go from amateur. As a fighter, when, you, when you're fight, when you're amateur, you go three minute rounds, so it's a sprint. Then we go when you turn pro, it's five minute rounds, so the pace is different. Then we go from three five minute rounds to five five minute rounds, the pace changes exponentially. So I feel like maybe Frankie's a five round fighter going to three rounds might have might have messed things up for him. It's a very good point. Maybe that mindset that I need to get out on, on top. I get, I need to win that first round. I need to show the judges what I'm doing. Ortega, who, who you know, we talked a lot about Frankie, but, you know, Ortega, obviously a huge win. He says his upcoming fight with Holloway when, when Max comes back from injury for that full featherweight championship will be the biggest UFC featherweight fight since McGregor Aldo. Uh, I, I mean, it, it could be. It's, that's, that's a fair statement. But do we believe now that Ortega is, is, is much more alive to win that belt against Max Holloway? But man, I, I honestly don't know. I, don't, I, I honestly, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not. not I, I like Ortega. I like what he's done. But my boy Mercano, you know, you know who he is, uh, Hanato Mercano. I feel like that's gonna be the guy to beat Max Holloway. Interesting. I watched this kid in the gym. Oh, look, this kid. Now, if you watch the fight versus him and Max Holloway, he was handling Max. Then he he was beating him. Then he went to take him down and got guillotine. That's what you don't do with versus <laughs> um, T City. You know, shoot, I wouldn't shoot, I wouldn't even take him down. You know what I'm saying? So um I think that's the guy that's gonna be um, get the belt in the long run. But there's a lot of guys that at that weight class. Um I feel like the weight class is the, the deepest it's been in a while. I feel like as far as like T City versus um Howway being the biggest fight since McGregor and whoever, I think it's true, but then it'll get topped by the next fight. And top but it's just gonna keep on bigger and bigger and bigger because they're actually the guys at 145 are actually doing a good job of putting themselves out there to be heard. Oh, for sure. Seen. And this is probably T City just trying to make it bigger so he gets a bigger payday. And by the way, he did yeah. finally get paid for this fight, which is good to see. But the whole thing on Ortega is this. 
everyone was saying who knows him was close to him who says you know his his stand he's he hasn't worked enough on his stand up to equal out how good he is on the ground but if he does if he gets to that point he'll be scary well it kind of looked like he's at that point after what he did to Edgar this guy's looking pretty darn scary this guy's looking pound for pound potential here do you still see any any obvious flaws that we should slow down a bit and say hey let's not forget who Max Holloway is here well here's the thing right how tall is Frankie very very small even for a featherweight let's let's be honest about that how tall is Max Holloway good size for a featherweight yes how tall is T-City very big for 145 so so check this out right when you're a shorter man fighting uh, um, T-City, it's dangerous because you have to not only have to watch, watch the guillotine, you, have to, you can't shoot on them. You have to watch the knees and elbows as well. So really, your best bet to beat T-City is to, to, be, to, to be taller and longer. Be a long kickboxer. Watch Max Holloway to fight behind a long jab and to fight stand, keep the fight standing with long, fighting long and feints. You're going to see him do that. And let's see how T-City is after – Two rounds, three rounds of of stand up. Let's see what happens. Not 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 three rounds. He's a beast. Let's see him go in the the fourth round, fifth round, the championship round. That's when you see what they really got. Yeah, that does separate the guys who can. And look, there's a lot of guys we've seen who can destroy that upper middle level of guys in their division. Destroy them dominantly, but it is a whole new ball game when you get up to that five-round level. A lot of people have learned that lesson. Kingbo, the UFC 222 other biggest storyline came on that undercard when Mackenzie Dern made her much-anticipated UFC debut at strawweight. She struggled to claim a split decision victory over Ashley Yoder. I felt like there was a lot to love, but a lot to criticize there. Which side of the, of the fence did you uh, sit on? for Dern, who did, you know, create a lot of TV ratings with this performance. She's green. I've watched her fight before. She's still learning. You know, like, um, uh, not everybody can be Ronda Rousey off the, off the rip. Don't forget now, Ronda Rousey got to MMA when MMA was still kind of new amongst the women. Now, a lot of women are doing MMA. You see women, like, growing up. I see women at my gym. I see little girls at my gym training to be the next cyborg Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate. You know, um, I think that now McKenzie's dealing with women that that actually have more knowledge, more fight knowledge, more prep, prop, they're more properly trained. So she's not gonna be able to to get off and smash all these girls. I watched her first fight in, in Legacy years, I think last year or two years ago, and she had a tough time submitting the girl. Actually, I think she went decision or maybe late late submission in the third round, but she had a tough time putting that girl away because that that girl was well trained. Um, I think I think McKenzie. The more as the more she keeps on fighting and getting this experience, she's gonna be hard to beat when she gains her confidence. I see I see her working on her hands. That's the first step. Now she's to make it all put make it all blend together and it's gonna take another year or two. You love her aggression, her explosion, but you know, as the you know, the commentator said during that fight it was true, her her punches were all over the place. It felt like you could see her attack coming and, and I give Yoder credit for kind of being slick in there in those first two rounds, you know, avoiding getting the fight to the ground, which to, to Dern's credit, and I think you have to give her this, when the fight was on the table in the third round, she took her down, she did what she had to do on the ground, she made it a more one sided fight. But, you know, you fear that those holes in her game won't get matured. There won't be given time to mature because this is modern UFC matchmaking, which is we got somebody with potential. We got a Sage. We got a Page VZ. We're going to rush them to the top. 
can they avoid this but still make her a, a TV draw and still tease you that she's possibly the next Ronda without exposing her? I don't even know if that's in the UFC DNA anymore, King Mo. I don't know who's on the book these days. I feel like they just roll it out and, and say, we got to cash in, we got to cash in. We don't have time to mature people. Man, they do a voodoo matchmaking. What they're doing is some of the people is they're getting chicken bones, they're putting the bucket, shaking it up, throwing it on the, on the, on the ground and being like, all right, Okay, Mackenzie Dern versus hmm. Amanda Nunez. That'd be a good one. They both speak Portuguese. We can have that fight in Sao Paulo. Oh yeah, let me read the let me read the bones. Uh huh. Yep. Uh oh, winner fights Cyborg at one forty five. Yep, that's it. That's that's what we're doing. Because two, two they're fights in a rush now. to that's make money back. No, it's you know, fair. Go ahead, go ahead. No, it's a fair, it's a funny joke, but it's it's legit. It's like they almost need Bob Arum to come in there and show them how to how to book the slow game. And I know we, as boxing fans, get frustrated in that, but it does seem like the UFC needs a little bit more uh, seasoning from boxing and how to at least stretch out and set up a few of these fights. Well, well, part of it, you know, I, I, Mick Maynard's trying. I know Mick Maynard's trying, but part of it's like I feel like they, they held on. With, they held on with some of the old talent, and with the new talent, they didn't build them enough. So by the time the new talent tries to fix the old talent, they lose. And the old talent stays in place. The new talent kind of either will they either keep on keep on pushing or they just lose confidence, drop a few more fights and get cut. So I don't know. This I, I, if if they were like if they were smart, like you know, they're smart, but what they should have done is copied Scott Coker's model for Bell, for Bellator slash strike force and have big like they're doing it right now, but they're not doing it because Bellator, we have cards, but we don't say the biggest card of the year, the biggest card in history. The UFC it can be fight night, it can be fight pass, it can be pay per view card, it can be UFC on Fox. But guess what? I know those fights are the biggest fights in UFC history, <laughs> or those are the biggest fights on that weight in that weight class, the biggest fight of to date, the biggest fight of the year, the biggest fight. Every card is the biggest fight. So eventually, after a while. You can't, if you if you fall for that trick and you watch a few cards, you're like, man, this fight made no sense. Like, where do these guys go next? Like, why is this guy not fighting for a belt next? Or why is, why is this guy not defending the, the belt on this card? Um, after a while, people start to wonder and they're going to start to lose interest. That, that's fair. That's fair. It, it, it is a time where UFC is deserving of the controversy, the criticism that they are getting. But I want to get into a bunch of Bellator headlines. And Bellator is not without its own criticism in certain circles. And some of that comes with the recent signing of Mirko Krokop Filipovic, who will fight at Bellator 200 in London. It'll be their landmark card. He'll fight against Roy Nelson, which would be a rematch of their 2011 bout, which Nelson won by stoppage. Kingmo, the controversy is this. Krokop failed a drug test in 2015 when UFC first started this deal with USADA to, to regulate their, their drug testing, admitted he took HGH, announced his retirement, but never retired, went to Japan, has now won eight fights in a row. Essentially, he ignored that two-year USADA ban, kept fighting in organizations that don't have you know, deals with USADA where they need to recognize that. Now Bellator is going to bring him back to a major U- U.S. promotion. This fight, of course, won't be in the U.S. It'll be in London. They're getting a ton of controversy. I want to bring you in because you fought Krokop during this run, losing to him in that rise in that uh, 2016 tournament in December. The, we pronounce that Risen, right? I'm always all... I'm risen, like, risen, risen, Risen. Yeah, it's both, it's both good. All right. Both good. You got stopped in that fight. Mirko looks like a new Mirko in his early 40s. What's your take on Bellator bringing him in despite all this controversy? 
I'm cool with it. You know why? Because I want revenge. <laughs> Look, hopefully Roy, hopefully Roy's gonna beat him, and then I want my chance. You know what I'm saying? I'll defend my belt. I'll defend the heavyweight belt versus Crow Cop. You know, um, because that's the plan. I'm gonna win this belt, win this tournament, and I want revenge. I want revenge on Crow Cop. All right, was he clean against you? Straight up. I, I don't, man. I, you know what? I don't know, man, because I never saw his piss, man. I just know, I know that it's like I, don't, I really don't know, man. I know he looked big, strong. He hits hard, but I was winning that fight. I could have won it, you know what I'm saying? But I really don't know, man. I can't. I really can't speak on Crow Cop, man. He really looks better. I know that. I love it. Let but me I check. But I didn't see his piss. That that that's a great King Mo one right there. So you're you're being fair on this, and I respect the fact that you're the fact that you're saying I want a rematch. Roy Nelson wasn't as fair. He's saying, look, I signed on for the fight, but I'm telling you right now, Crow Cop's been taking special supplements, quote unquote, the last few years. That's why he looks like he's improving. Crow Cop got upset at that, came out with a long Facebook post in which he made fun of Nelson's weight, made fun of Nelson's scraggly beard, you know, basically says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take you out. Yeah, I'm going to take you out when we do fight. But the controversy still lingers, and Scott Coker gave an interview over the weekend where he sort of defended it and was like this, King Mo, we don't have a deal with USADA. So if USADA's got an issue that Crow Cop didn't serve his two-year suspension, which, by the way, would have expired by now, why were they not in Japan at Risen chasing him down? A little bit of ignorance, you know, pleading ignorance, essentially, Scott Cooker saying, look, it's, it's not our problem. We're going to do everything under the, the testing now to make sure he's clean. So as fans, should we just be like, yeah, whatever? Yeah, why not? You know why? Because y'all are like that when Connor didn't defend the belt, you know what I'm saying, the <laughs> UFC. Yeah, let, let's be real. Who cares? As long as it's like this, as long as people have no one's dying, as long as Roy comes out and doesn't get hurt or whatever. As long as people are irritated with the fights, who cares, man? Like, Crow Cop did that shit two years ago or whatever. I, let Roy beat him. Let Roy get paid. You know what I'm saying? I want my boy Roy to go out there and eat. Let him erase his – like, you know, if they, unless they can, if they can find somebody else to replace Crow Cop, cool with me as long as my boy Roy beats him. That's my thing. I'm, I don't care Roy. I don't care about Crow Cop being with, you, with, being with Bellator. I just want my boy Roy to beat him, and I want to get revenge. King Mo, of, of the six losses you have in MMA – is Crow Cop the one that eats at you the most that you want revenge right now today? No, nah, actually, all of them. All of them, I hate them all equally. Well, you did, you, you did get revenge on Quentin, right? Or was it the other yeah, way? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I got revenge on Quentin, but then, you know, hopefully I can get um, – well, I, was, I want to get Newton, but I don't know what Newton's doing. I wouldn't mind getting my hands on Faye Zhao. I would love to get my hands on Phil, Phil Davis, which I believe will happen again. And I don't know who else I lost. Somebody to, get Kevin Conte on line one, all right? Come yeah, on. yeah, get Faye Zhao. Yeah, get because Faye Zhao's out there. I don't know what he's doing, but I'm pretty sure he's gonna end up somewhere big eventually. I'll fight him at heavyweight at 205. I don't care. All right, all right, that's interesting. So Roy continues to run his mouth, and we know we, we mentioned on the last show that he called out Mitrione for being dirty in their fight, which Mitrione won by majority decision in their World Grand Prix first round matchup. Well, uh, Matt came back and fired back at Roy. And now Roy responds, telling MMA Junkie this week, Matt's a guy that's always the pot calling the kettle black. I think he's still upset because he's cheating on his wife and stuff. That's all I heard the whole week, him cheating on his wife. So I think he has a bunch of guilt. End quote. Uh, Roy's, Roy's throwing some high heat here. This kind of feels out of bounds here. What's going on here, Roy? Man, I don't know about that. I, look, that's why I say I don't be on Twitter too much. You don't, you want, know, like, you don't want any of this soap opera crap. Get, get away from it. No, I'm none of it, man. Because you know what, Matt, the father. You know, right after that fight, he took his daughter to the father, um, the father-daughter dance, and was there. Take hats off to him. His daughter was going through some stuff um, 
with the medical stuff. I think that's handled. So my, you know, I don't know about his situation with his wife, but you know, I know that he's a father. Good, both men are good fathers, and uh, maybe he's drumming up interest for a trilogy. I think he wants he wants a final chance to 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 knock out Michelle. Yeah, yeah, I think I think a trilogy or um a way to go um kind of kind of poke the bear and try to get Mitrion to be like, you know what, let's let's run it back for the third time. Well, Roy's not afraid to run his mouth. I mean, on this show just a few weeks ago, he was basically calling Frank Mir dirty and saying, "I don't know if Frank Mir can ever piss clean again." I mean, this guy, Roy, Roy's not afraid to. He's not afraid to be be about that. Yeah, Roy, Roy don't bite his tongue for nobody, man. That's, that's my sensei, Sensei Roy. Sensei Roy don't, don't shave that beard for, for no one either. I love, I love that man right there. <laughs> uh, final Bellator news this week is uh, Benson Henderson's going to come back at Bellator One Ninety Six. That's April six in Budapest, Hungary, and he's going to fight Roger Huerta. Remember that guy? We haven't seen that guy in forever. Somehow, Roger's only 34 years old. King Bo, I feel like he was two MMA generations ago, the last time that that guy was like on Sports Illustrated's cover, the next big thing in UFC. What happened to that guy? Well, I've been following him a little bit. You know, he was in UFC. Now he's in Dubai, I believe. Um, actually, I know he's in Dubai because he, he fought my homeboy, Haider Hassan, um, about three three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and Haider was beating him and, and hit him. Um, after the bell or something like that, and I got got and Roger Huerta won a no con. One, I think it was either no conscious one of the DQ, got a DQ victory, but he's still out there fighting. I believe he's in Thailand training, um, in Thailand uh, and in Asia. So, uh, you know, he's still still around doing his thing, just um, on a little, on a smaller scene. I like this fight, though. I mean, I'll pop for any hashtag old guy fight. I like this fight between two names here. I want to see, you know, I, I want to see if Benson's still got anything left. And obviously want to see what Huerta's up to. He's been fighting around the world, but not for many major U.S. promotions. Well, I, I think I think that Benson has a lot left. I just think that um, the guys at Bellator matched, you know, the matchup, they matched up just, the matchups they made were bad for him at that time. Like, I, I'm not gonna, I think Patricky. Both Patrick and Patricio were tough matches for anybody. You know, same thing with uh, um, Karishkov. You know, it was a tough match for anybody. And then Michael Chandler is a tough match for anybody. Um, when Ben when Ben came to Bellator, he came and got thrown to the wolves. But he's still out there fighting them. So my hat's off to uh, Ben Henderson. He's, he's a tough guy. He's a good guy, too. Well, we talked about what's going on in the heavyweight scene in Bellator. Let's talk about what's going on on the heavyweight scene in the UFC with the heavyweight champion himself, Stipe Miocic. Enjoy. The champ is here, the baddest man on the planet, the man who saves lives by day and threatens them by night inside the cage. Yes, Stipe Miocic, UFC heavyweight champion. Always great to talk to you, man. Thanks for stopping by the CBS Sports Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Speaking to you on behalf of the fine folks at Modelo who have a really nice new ad campaign out, you know, highlighting your fighting spirit and the fact that you fight for more than just the championship belt as a proud son of immigrants. And I, I like this campaign a lot, and I want to start right there. First of all, congratulations on the sponsorship. But secondly, this is who you are, the, the blue-collar good guy, not this trash talker, not this, you know, Conor McGregor clone. You're this good guy who, when tested, will bring the pain, and I feel like both the UFC and the fans are finally celebrating that and realizing that after all your success. Uh, yeah, I guess nice guys yeah, don't finish last. <laughs> um, yeah, no, man, I, 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 love everything, I, love, I love everything about Cleveland. That's why I'm, I'm here, man. It's a blue-collar background, you know, and you know, and my mother, she, uh, she definitely, uh, 
you know, ingrained that in me, the hard working, you know, don't stop, make yourself better every day, kind of thing. And that's why I love about Modelo, you know, uh, they're, they're the same mentality. They just, the kind of people, they're just amazing to work with. Uh, they're humble. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're just, they're awesome, man. I just love everything about what they're, I love everything what they're about. And, uh, you know, and it's cool. And they get, they had, you know, we got to do that commercial. I got to bring my mom with me. And, you know, my mom never goes in the fight, so it was kind of cool, you know, have a part of it. She what it's all about, and she loved every second. I think mean, she's wanted to hang out. <laughs> yeah. I don't see her as much as I should, but I'm so busy. But yeah, you know, um, I think uh, I think it just worked out perfect because you know, I just uh, went, went with the sponsorship just because you know we both have that fighting spirit. You know, we never give up and we just keep moving forward. Absolutely, and it's like you know, this is a, a another step forward in in the involvement of your personal brand. You know, and it's like. We're not talking anymore, you know, well, Stipe's a good puncher, but he can't talk. It feels like you're getting the right spotlight of who you are, and I feel like, in a way, way this ad campaign sort of highlights that. You no, know, definitely it is. Um, I think, uh, you, you know, uh, I can trash talk and do all that stuff. I just, that's too exhausting, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I'm definitely grateful for the opportunity to work with them. They got me in that commercial. It's an amazing commercial. It's just such, so... Awesome! I just uh, I've gotten so many posts phone calls about people seeing it and tell me how much they loved it, and they just you know they they, they love everything about it. True or and, false, uh, Stipe? Know, that's what, I got to I got to stop you right now and say true or false. Did you sample the merchandise, so to speak, and test out the Modelo product after your last victory? Oh, of course I did. We had a bunch of cases in the, in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It tastes great, man. I, I got a bunch of my bar right now, so I got a bunch of inspiration now. So uh, actually, I'll probably you know, have a few cocktails this weekend. There it is right there. Well, look, no one's more red hot than you right now in the UFC. And you're, you know, sort of the, the theme I opened with. You're, you're defying the, the doubters and the critics. And in your last title defense, UFC 220, Francis Ngannou, I think that was maybe the biggest time you faced that wall of, of doubters and criticism who said, we're going to favor this untested guy against you. The, the, the odds makers are going to favor. We're going to say this guy's going to end the run of Stipe and maybe overlook some of the finer details like experience. How how fired up were you for that fight, considering that narrative coming in? Honestly, hey, that's what the fight story is all about, man. Like, listen, I couldn't, I couldn't walk in there being the first Fidel athlete. You know what I mean? I, I, when I went down, I went myself down. Man. I just want to go out there. The whole life, I've, you know, I've two people wrong. They always doubted me, and it's a love You know, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm trying to think I'm a not capable of doing something. And uh, that's in my whole life. You know, I just, I love it. You know, and uh, it, it's never, never going to end. You know, that fight came off of a stretch where where you took some time away from the octagon to get your, your contract in order the way you wanted to. You, you silenced the doubters with the victory. You, you set the title defense record in the process. But did you feel a, a shift change in terms of how you were perceived after this victory over Ngannou where people are stopped saying, you know, if or, or but and are saying, no, this is the guy. This might be the best heavyweight we've ever seen. Let's give him his due. Uh, yes and no. I mean, listen, I, I think so, but, you know, I mean, that's someone's opinion. <laughs> um, I think, I definitely think so. I think, uh, you know, definitely breaking the record helps out a lot. And, you know, being a guy like Francis, who's, you know, considered one of the scariest guys on the planet. <laughs> um, but, you know, right now, I, like I said, I'll just go out there and do my thing and be putting people wrong. 
let's talk about the specifics of breaking that title record. You get the three defenses, and it's sort of like that was this stigma hanging over the division that, you know, these guys are so dangerous that nobody can keep this belt for that long. And I know at times maybe injuries played a factor, but from your perspective, having, you know, been a fan of the sport and watching it over the years, why do you think no one has been able to do what you did right there, which is put three victories together in a row with the belt on your shoulders? I mean, divisions, it's, it's, anything can happen to me, anyone can knock anyone out. I mean, it's big boys with small gloves on. So, um, I mean, it just takes one good punch and anything can happen. And, uh, you know, you know they say it's, 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 it's a real good get, you know. And um, uh, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, those small gloves, man, anything can happen. Like, you've seen guys that, you know, you don't think I've knocked out, power knock guys out. I mean, I've seen all the time, you know, with division. It's scary, you know, and you got guys who are, so you're the one who was able to, you know, stand that stand within that storm and do that. What essentially makes you different? And I know it's too early to get into sort of, you know, long term. Where do you fit in history? You're right in the middle of your run. But what has made you different than guys, you know, Kane Velasquez, uh, Frank Mir, guys who we thought maybe could hold this belt for five, six years. What has allowed you to, to sort of break through areas they weren't able to? Uh, I think my funny spirit, no joke. I mean, I think my, I'm going to go out there and like, give it all I got. And, you know, and I'm going to do my damage not to lose. You know, I ain't losing more than anyone. You know, <laughs> going out there and just giving it all I got. And, you know, you tell me now, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, give that up and you know stop doing that. I'm gonna go out there and win. Uh, I was winning, winning some. When you sort of peel back the layers on uh, on what that fighting spirit is for you, you know, and in that fight against Ngannou, you do get dropped. I mean, you do get, you do taste his power. There, there's adversity that you had to get through in order to have that type of victory. What are you pulling from? I mean, what what gets you to keep fighting through this? Well, I, I didn't get dropped. I don't, I don't, I don't, my my error on there, dropped. my error. You you caught a big punch, you weathered it, and you kept coming. My, yeah. my, my mistake on that. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> um, uh, no, yeah, I think uh, you know I can do big and strong. He's tough. He kept coming, you know, the guys. And then I just started figuring stuff out. You know, in the middle of the fight, it's you know what you do. You got to figure it out. You know, it's like a puzzle. And I started catching the shots and getting more tired and take down what they want for the takedown. It just started getting tired. I realized that. You know, he's, he's not really good on the ground, so I just exhaust him out. So they got him super strong. I want to give him any opportunity to get back up and throw on those big bounds and hit me with it. You know, it looks like one of those uh, lessons for Nganu where maybe he can come back stronger from it. And you, I felt like, almost had that same lesson to a, to a certain degree in that first fight with former champion Junior Dos Santos that went five rounds. Did, was that a turning point moment, would you say, in, in the run you ended up putting together after that loss? That was everything, you know. That that's when I knew I can hang with champ of the world and no one could beat me. I can hang with my confidence. That was it, and then my confidence is good now. I like it. I like it a lot. Of course, we are very pumped up in the fight world that you've signed on for a true super fight at heavyweight UFC 226 July 7th Las Vegas against light heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier. Uh, how long did it take you to sign the dotted line when you knew this was an opportunity for you? Oh, you know, I just want to make sure it's right. You know, you know, listen, I'll fight anyone. You know, there's no no question I'll fight anyone. And I just want to make sure it's right, make sure everything was good. You know, I don't think they belong, actually. I don't know, specifics, but, you know, definitely didn't take that long. 
How do you like this matchup when you consider Cormier had a great unbeaten run at heavyweight in the UFC, moved down to allow his friend Cain Velasquez to have the spotlight, now coming up with the chance to, to make history, to, to combine weights, uh, belts in separate weight classes, which very few guys have done? I love the matchup with the DC. I match it very well. So I know I can definitely cause a lot of problems for him, which I will. Um, you know, he's a great fighter, though. He's fought a lot of great guys. He's got a great pedigree, you know, amazing wrestler. He's going to see. He's got great talent. You know, he's smart. Um, but, you know, he hasn't seen anything like me yet. You know, his your, your wrestling on paper in the X's and O's will be tested here. Do you think your wrestling gets the respect, though, that it deserves? Well, probably not. You know, because most stand up. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, I'm, it's there, you know, I mean, uh, listen, uh, you know, wrestling and, and MMA wrestling are two different things, you know, and you see DC's been taking down his fights too, you know, saying, so it's not like he goes out there and just does what he wants, takes it around every time, you know, he, he has a hard time, and if you, you know, I'll make sure, I'll, I'll make sure I work on my wrestling, I'll work 100% and not get any opportunity to take me down, but if he does take me down, I'll move your head back up. You know, heading into that Ngannou fight, I liked the interviews that you gave because you're, you're humble, you know, you put you, you say what you need to say, but you don't belabor a topic. Yet you were a little bit fired up and said, "I feel like the UFC wants me to lose this," and I feel like it was you taking the stand for yourself right there. Do you feel like they finally know what they have in you now? Oh, well, I definitely feel that way. But you know, maybe, maybe not. You know, I, I can't worry about that. I'm worried about trying to you know worry about what uh, what I'm going to do for DC and just keep training, get better, and you know, walk out and still. All right, a couple quick ones on the way out here. Brock Lesnar th- rumored to be making a comeback once his WWE contract is up after WrestleMania. You've said his name in the past. Is that still, I don't want to use the term dream fight, but you know the money in the, that could be at stake and the prestige, former champion against new one. Is that something that's still on your mind that, that you'd like to have? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I'll fight anyone. I don't, I don't really check who it is, you know. Um, you know, he's he, he a former champ. We got super coffees, you know, five really guys. And, but like I said, right now I'm all about July 7th, and that's all I care about. So I'm focused on that's all I'm looking forward to. And while I respect that, Stipe, we have heard you mention the names Anthony Wilder. I'm sorry, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, and the fact that this, you know, boxing heavyweight division is so red hot, and the idea that you wouldn't mind getting involved in that and crossing over. Some people are going to say, Stipe, you're crazy, man. You, you got DC in front of you. You're dominating UFC. Why do you want to keep bringing those names up? And can you sort of tell us why is that? Well, I think it's great. You know, I, you know, I think all those guys in the heavyweight division are cleared out, you know, and, but, you know, call me a bad man in the plan. So when I go against some of the, you know, the heavyweight spice boxers, um, it's a heavyweight, you know, in the boxing division, I would love it. You know, as boxers, so I think I would do well. I know I'd do well. People are going to compare that to say, well, look, you know, Connor jumped over and, and he got served. What, what gives you the confidence that this wouldn't be a money grab, a, a carnival thing? This is you really trying to test yourself. Because I know I can win. I love that. I love that. I love that fight spirit. I love that, Stipe. Hey, man, great talking to you. Congratulations on your success. Congratulations on the campaign with Modelo. It's it's showing the real you, and I think a lot of people are seeing that. We saw they saw that some of the features that were written ahead of your last fight, showing the the work you do as a firefighter and paramedic. Uh, congratulations on everything happening, man. Hey, I appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me. 
Gingbo, speaking of those UFC heavyweights, we do have a fight card this Saturday in London as UFC Fight Night brings us Fabricio Verdum against Alexander Volkov in the main event. I'm not going to lie to you, not a great card on paper. In fact, it's pretty bad. But is this a setup to just keep Verdum in the bullpen as the potential next title challenger after we see Cormier and Stipe? I don't think so. You think? Do you think it's Reason over for, for Fabricio on this level? Is that it? No, I think that I think that this is a stay busy fight because I don't know what Volkov is ranked, but you know I think that what they're going to do is they're going to have Verdum fight guys like Marcin Tabura and fight guys like Volkov, fight guys that rank you know in the hopes that he'll get beat because I feel like they want to they don't they want to you know bring back see what happens in Ganu maybe you know bring him back around maybe make some changes and see what happens to Derek Lewis. They have they have people out there that they want to push. You know, Derek Lewis and uh, Kane might come back. Who knows? You, see, you never know. Um, you got the guy. They have new guys that they're, they're trying to they're trying to bring in new talent. They're trying to sign. Let's see what they do. I feel like they're trying to um, maybe just get some of these older guys beat because it makes no sense. Why 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 would Verdun fight Volkov? Who is Volkov really beat to fight Verdun? I mean, he's on Who a five he fight win streak. He beat Roy and Struve. The the names before that, you know, not not that strong. But okay, and, and Struve just lost to uh, well, Struve ranked. Struve just lost to Arlovski. Arlovski beat him pretty easy. Yeah. Um, Roy Nelson. He beat Roy Nelson what two years ago? What was Roy Nelson ranked when he beat, beat him? You know, that's my boy, Sensei Roy. But I feel like Verdun. I love Verdun. I just feel like they're trying to they're, they're trying to keep him busy. They're trying to keep him from getting one of those big fights for the belt. We will see in the co-main, lightweight Jimmy Manuel will have a rematch against Jan Blakowicz. That does not move me, but Jimmy is saying, King Mo, that he believes he can get either David Hay or Anthony Joshua in a boxing ring and says Dana's behind this idea and says he was almost signed on to fight Hay last year with Dana saying go for it until David Hay decided instead to fight Tony Bellew in that big money heavyweight rematch that we'll see on May 5th. Uh, I know Jimmy Manuel can talk. But can he talk his way into a big crossover boxing match that British fans would care a lot about at 38? I don't know. You? Well, if the British fans would care a lot, if they really care about it, it'll happen. If they really want to see it, it'll happen. Because right now, all the power in combat sports, in my opinion, is in Europe. It's not in America no more. That's fair. It's boxing, in Europe. At the, boxing is bigger in England right now than anywhere else other than Mexico. No doubt about it. But the MMA scene, you're saying the same thing? Red hot in Europe? Yeah, because look, look, think about this, right? Like they they they've kind of pulled back from other places, um, but like Asia, they don't go to Asia no more. They, Brazil, yeah, they'll go, but maybe not that much. But Europe, yeah, Australia, hell yeah. Well, there's got to be a reason you know, because, Scott Coker's bringing almost every major Bellator card that's not one of the tentpole event cards to Europe these days. I think feel like they're in London, Budapest, somewhere every other weekend. It used to be Thackerville, Oklahoma. No more King Mo. We're going to Europe. You know, you know, all the power in kickboxing, you see it like I'm, I'm, I don't know about grappling. I have, to, I have to ask around on grappling, but just the money, man, the money, this money made made there, especially with Eddie Hearn coming up and, and for boxing and Al Hammer stepping out the game. And I, I don't know, the UFC loves the Europeans as well. Bellator's trying to love the Europeans. So you're starting to see more European stars, and the Europeans get behind their fighters even more. They're more enthusiastic about their fighters than the Americans are. Well, King Mo, let's wrap up a couple UFC notes on the way out here. Luke Rockhold is moving up to 205 officially. He wants to give Bisping a trilogy retirement fight. 
Bisping kind of talking trash. I'm not sure if they're going to go with through with that. Then you have Alexander Gustafson coming in from left field saying, hey, Luke, you want to talk your mouth in my division? Do you want to run your mouth? Fight me. I don't know if that's a good matchup for Luke stylistically. I think matchmaking-wise, probably pretty smart to try to chase Bisping for one more. Yeah, because Bisping's 185-pounders that moved up. Um, Luke is a big guy. Luke weighs more than me. You know, gets to the 220. I've never see, I never see 220. So the 205 is the right move, but Luke should look to test the waters a little bit. Test the waters. Fight, fight a tough, fight a tough 205 or that's like you know just durable. Don't not not too much skill so you can see if you're striking can hurt him. Now if you're striking and hurt him, put him away, then you're good. We have a fight card coming up in Chicago, June 9th, UFC 225. Yoel Romero says that's the date he wants to rematch Robert Whitaker for that full middleweight title. I can't wait for that one. But CM Punk teased fans on Twitter Monday, King Mo, by, by essentially cryptically saying, June 9th, you're going to see me again. That's when you're going to see me back in that octagon. Uh, what, are they, what are they doing here? There's rumors they're going to put him in there against Mike Jackson, that MMA journalist who lost to... Uh, Lost the essentially the play-in bout for to to get a chance to fight CM Punk the first time around. What are what are they doing with CM Punk? What should they do in this situation? Well, I, they're doing the right thing, you know. Like let them fight somebody he can beat, you know. Let them build them. I I talked to I mean CM Punk when before he signed with the UFC, and I was like, hey man, come to Bellator, you know. Let's let let's build you, you know. Let's build you, and then once you get your experience up, then we'll get you. Then we'll get your real fight. Because something you know, everybody wants to fight in, in MMA, but they don't realize like you need experience. You know, what I'm saying you need to be built. You need, you need you need to get the fight the right people at first. Because if you don't, you will take some L's. You'll take some bad L's. You'll possibly get knocked out or get your arm broke. Who knows? Jaw broke. But I feel like you know CM Punk. I know he wants to fight, but I, I'm hoping that you know they haven't fight Mike Jackson because it's more even. But what you know, does the, that the, say the though? You're up. having them fight the guy who lost to the guy, Mickey Gall, who just destroyed CM Punk, right? And the guy, Mike Jackson, no disrespect, he's halftime fighter, halftime journalist. What is that saying, though? Are, are, is it UFC saying, look, Punk's a joke, we know it, it's a ratings grab, so let's let's just give him a chance to entertain. Is that w- what they're saying full on? That's what, the, that's what the fans might say. But what me, what I see is, um, for instance, okay, let me use an example. Ana Hulatan, when she fought Heather Hardy, right? You had two pro boxers, world-class pro boxers, that were so green in MMA that the fight looked kind of sloppy. It looked sloppy because they're trying to MMA, they're trying to become MMA fighters at that time, even though they were boxers. Now, CM Punk's a pro wrestler that Jiu-Jitsu. It's a different world in the fight game. You know what I'm saying? It's hard. So I thought maybe they're like, you know what? Let's just put him with somebody that has the same level of experience, and we'll see what we get. Because if you put him with somebody that has a little more experience, you'll see what you saw the first time he got in the cage. All right, you so, put him with somebody that has the same level, like same level. You see a good scrap. It might be sloppy, but it'll be fun. Oh, it's going to be fun no matter what. I guess we're just you know testing the ethics of UFC at this point in their, in their moral code, which we're far past that. We've already spent the whole show talking about it. So I want to ask you this though: they had him for a two fight deal. This, unless they sign something else, w- w- should be the end of that deal. Let's say Punk wins. Let's say they match them evenly. We get a fun fight. Does the UFC continue, and should they continue this charade? of signing him and putting him out there? Or do they sign him just to keep him from Bellator? What do you think would happen if Punk wins? Uh, they'll probably, probably, no, they'll probably cut. They'll probably um, keep, keep keep options on him maybe. 
I have a feeling that Punk will go back to pro wrestling. Well, you maybe say Bonham, that, and just to support your idea of saying that, we know Cody Rhodes is self-financing with the Young Bucks, the show called All In, September All in, 1st, yep. and they chose their site, Chicago King Chicago. Mo. That's giving me some CM Punk feels. I think we maybe see that, because if you want to fill a 10,000-seat arena, which is essentially the goal of this thing, it was a dare, it was Dave Meltzer saying on Twitter that no... You know, nobody other than WCW that's a non-WWE wrestling promotion can fill 10K in the United States. Cody took that bet. Punk can get you to 10K. So maybe win or lose, Punk probably smart enough. I got to walk away from UFC, you know, MMA no matter what, right? Well, yeah, no, because I think he enjoys actually training and fighting. He likes the competition. Um, if, If I were him, I would be like, look, for the Bellator, let Bellator get you fights, we'll keep you busy at Bellator, and Bellator will let you wrestle as well. They'll support that. You know, and, and then, you know, then once you do that, you could you could talk to, you know, um, you can talk to the Young Bucks and, and Cody Rhodes for me, and let me become a member of the Bullet Club. Yes. That, be the elite right <laughs> here. That's sweet. what I'm talking One about. Sweet. <laughs> One sweet. Exactly. <laughs> to close out that 225 card in Chicago, Rashad Evans, former light heavyweight champion in UFC, is going to fight on despite a four-fight losing streak, and he's going to move back to 205 after going 0-2 at middleweight. By the way, both split decision defeats. He's going to face Anthony Smith, who is also moving up in weight. Smart choice for Sugar if he wants to keep going? Uh, yeah, but, you know, that's my boy, and we talked. Um, I told Rashad, because, you know, um, straight, I'm gonna be, there ain't no secrets. I said, Rashad, man, you're too, you do too much. You don't, you don't sit in your you – like, you'll land a jab and then switch stances. Bro, if you land a jab, stick with your jab. Don't switch stances. You're being busy for nothing. You know, if you watch him, he'll go orthodox, southpaw, orthodox, jab, overhand, switch, 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 kick, kick. For what? You're not establishing nothing. What's the danger so in like, doing that? I, the danger in that is because the danger in doing that is, first of all, you never establish nothing. You never establish no rhythm or distance. Two, it messes up your defense. It, cha- it messes your defense in your hand, your hand placement. So you're there to get hit. And uh, it squares you up because if you watch Rashad's fight, a lot of times he'll come on a stance, and he switches stances so much, he squares up. So when he fought Glover, before he got knocked out, he switched stances. Squared up and got hit with the left hook, I believe. Um, Rashad, he has to get back to where he, the old Rashad. I said, Rashad, focus on your boxing and your wrestling. Because you know what the quote is. Boxing <laughs> hands, plus wrestling. Hands plus wrestling hands equals. Plus wrestling, yep. Equals a problem. Yep, big problem, yep. And, and that's what Rashad was doing. But now all, Rashad, all of a sudden Rashad became a Dutch-style kickboxer that switches stances, <laughs> and that's not that's not for him. He's not – Rashad to realize, Rashad, you are 5'10". You know what I'm saying? You have a 71-inch reach. You can't fight long on the outside and throwing kicks versus guys that are taller and longer. So be a dog. Fight behind your jab. Get your takedown. Lift your overhand right, your left hooks. And go out there and fight like you did in the past. Hey, Let's if, be I, real. if I'm booking MMA, I put Rashad and Bellator. I put him in there against Belfort. I put him in there against uh, against Vanderlei. I put him in there against Chael. There's some fun fights on the other side of the street for you. Oh, what does he have to gain? What does he have to gain right now in the UFC, King? Well, he knows he's not fighting for a title there. What does he have to gain? He just likes the competition. I'm gonna talk to him because you know what you said. Like that's that that's real right there. I like them fights. I like all them fights. Even him versus Musashi, biggest fight. Like. I like all the fights. Like I really want it's, it's, it's the belt means nothing in MMA no more. It's not about the belts. Like the belts mean nothing. The belts are a joke. What means some 
it's good fights. The fans like that's what means a lot. Like I'm, I, I just, at first I wanted the belt, and then I seen the the trend and seen how things are going. The belt means nothing. It's a good, it's a good accessory to have. It's a good thing to flaunt. But in the long run, what what, what matters is good, exciting fights that the fans will enjoy. Uh, speaking of big names and big fights the fans want to enjoy, GSP told Ariel Hawani last week that he is coming back. He's oh, he's beaten the fighter the fight with uh, what did he have? Uh, he had the, uh, the colitis. Yeah, he said he, it's almost done. He wants to come back. Gun to your head. Who does GSP fight? Because it's going to be a big one. He's in in that interview. He sort of talked trash about Dana and said Dana doesn't like that he can't control me. So GSP is only going to come back in the right setting. But he's teasing that he might come back at one fifty five. You don't go down in weight when you're old. It's not the right move. What are you doing? Well, he, he can if he's sick and the, the reticulitis cut it messed him up. But really, he said he's he's, he's teasing one fifty five for a reason. Connor, there it is. It's gonna be at one seven. And it's Jan, don't care. Come on. Even don't, care. King, don't do that to us, Kingbo. You would care about Connor GSP. You know why? Because George can go out there, jab, takedown, submission. Plain and simple. It's not good. Unless George is still able to go out there and try to stand and, and just and, and not, not box him. If he goes out there and tries to stand and not box him and, and, and fight with his chin up in the air and hands down and just come forward and let Connor tee off on him, then he's going to lose. Which he's not going to do that. Go out there, pro up the jab, inside leg kick, takedown, submission. That's what's going to happen. I think we're going to see that fight because Dana is now officially, he was teasing for months. Now he's officially saying when Habib and Tony walk in the cage April 7th at 223 in Brooklyn, Connor will be stripped of the title. The winner that night will be the full lightweight title. If you're Connor King Mo and you know the leverage you have, now you don't have that belt anymore. Why in on earth? Would you fight the winner of Tony Habib? You wouldn't. You're going to say, hey, all right, Dana, here's what I want. I either want Nate or I want GSP, right? I mean, that's the only answer. Or I want Floyd in a boxing match. Those are the only answers. We're not getting Connor versus Tony or Habib. Stop the madness. Uh, the only way you can get it is if maybe the UFC offers more money for that fight. If the UFC said, hey, we'll pay you this much for, for this fight, and we'll offer you this much for Nathan and um, GSP, like I, I, I don't see him doing that because it makes no sense. Because I, I can see Nate versus GSP. And I mean, Nate and GSP versus Connor one and two making more money in the long run. But I don't know. I think that I think when it's all said and done, Connor's gonna fight Nate and GSP quite possibly. And I'm down with that because the one thing Connor's really, really smart about is the under, understanding that if you move up in weight or you take a guy on at the last minute, it the law and you catch an L. It doesn't affect you as much as if you're in your division against the next guy in line and you lose. So why would he go back to a division that he already conquered? I know he only beat Eddie and never fought again, but I'm saying in theory he already conquered. Why would he go back to that division to win back the belt he already won? He's about money and accomplishments and building that legacy, so it wouldn't make any sense. It would have to be Nate or GSP. Yeah, and until he's a, he doesn't want to lose, he doesn't want to lose. That's what it comes down to. He don't want to lose because it's like this, right? He loses to GSP, so what? No pressure. He loses to Diaz. So what? I bumped up a weight class. I beat him before. I think that's why he, he always the- would talk trash to Woodley because we're all we're all saying, look, he's going to get knocked out if he does that fight. But it's the same point that you're saying. He would get credit for moving up to try to get a third title in as many divisions. There would be no downside for him outside of potentially getting stopped. Yeah, and it's the thing. Like 
to me, I, it's whatever. He's, I just, I just find like you know, um, I think it's weird to me, you know, because he'll get credit for moving up, but you get guys that move up and lose and get no credit for doing that, you know. So that's true. To we me, just ripped, I just find, we just ripped Frankie for it, trying it, to save save that Ortega fight, right? It's like it's yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just feel like whatever, man. It's kind of. It, it, it's not MMA is kind of souring on me a little bit. I love fighting, I love training, but just the way things are going, it's not the way it was when I first got into it. It's very high school hoping, right now, Kingbo. A lot of rumors, a lot of talking bad. Yeah. This guy doing this, it, it, some people talking about each other, cheating on each other's wives. There's a lot of high school going on right now. What's happening here? It's too much. Um, it, when I remember I said years ago, MMA has become an internet sport in a sense, tabloid. It's like I feel like when I go on. Well, I don't go on this website. Back in the past, when I used to go on Junkie and Sherdog, I felt like I was going to media takeout or lipstick, lipstick alley, or whatever. And back, <laughs> those are urban, those are urban like gossip sites, you know. And and now it's all about gossip, all it about is. gossip. Every rumors. headline Who is a tweet. This? Every headline is this fighter says I want this. I mean, that's what that's how you stay in the headlines. That's how you make them. But you're right. In the end, it's nothing. In the end, the fights matter. Let's talk about the fights. I want to close with this, though, Kingmo, because the fans can't see. But you are wearing a sweet throwback PWI Pro Wrestling Illustrated t-shirt. And we are – oh, that's not. What does that say? No, no, collar elbow. Ooh, it's, an, yeah. it's even better. I, I couldn't yeah, see the Al bottom Snow. of it. What's up, Al? It's Al Snow's brand, collar elbow. Love that. Love that. With the PWI, though, like like sort of like brand scheme there with the, with the logo. Yeah. That's what yeah, I'm Yeah, um, they – yeah, they copied it. They kind of copied it, but, you know, Very it's, it's a nice shirt, though. Well, we are on the road to WrestleMania 34. I don't know how up you are on the WWE product at the moment. Fastlane pay-per-view on Sunday night exceeded expectations. I don't think you've been watching Raw, but what happened on Raw, I'll tell you this week, King Mo. John Cena came out and three times called out The Undertaker. And the promo was great because he questioned Taker's manhood and he was raw and he was, you know, he was dirt. But um, do we really want that, King Mo, as wrestling fans? Because the last time I checked, The Undertaker's like 52 or 3 and and Reigns couldn't carry his dead body to close Mania last year. Where do you sit on this? Did you see that promo yet? Man, no interest. But what I'm interested in is how about the, the Ring of Honor pay-per-view card? How about that? You the, see that, talk, the, the swerve, though, the, the bear ended up being Kenny Omega. It wasn't CM you Punk. We thought they were trying to set us up like drug-free bear. That's CM Punk, right? Yeah, yeah but it, it was Kenny Omega. Look, the WWE has now become the UFC in a sense. Wow. Uh, garbage. You're you know, saying you uh, want uh, nothing to do with Cena Taker. I agree on that, by the way. Come on, WWE. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, the, now, granted, they're both doing good things here and there, but just overall, just the just, – I feel I feel like the trend is now going into it, – it's not – the trend is more indie in a sense. Like it has more of an indie feel. It's not about being big no more. You're right, It's not though. about doing yeah, – it's, it's, it's different. It's changed. I, I, sense, I sense it with everything I'm doing. It, it's, it's a different feel. I will be at Mania Weekend in New Orleans, and I can't wait. Thursday night, I'm going to see Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, the Golden Lovers, in a tag team match. <laughs> I'm unfortunately not going to see that Kenny Cody match because that NXT TakeOver card the same night is, is going to be so hot. But will you watch WrestleMania 34 this year and be fired up for Roman Reigns' Brock Lesnar, considering that they're using the work shoot storyline that Brock's probably going to UFC and he doesn't care about the fans? It's a little bit interesting what they're doing here. Do you care? Do yeah. you care? It's interesting, but you know what's funny? 
It kind of reminds me of what TNA did first with Bobby Lashley. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like that's very true I'm, with the, with Dan Lambert, well, right? Yeah, and then then the final deletion TNA did it. Um, it's funny because TNA's done a lot of stuff. Like the belt, be, the like two belts be on one person. TNA did it first. Like it, it I don't know. It's weird because I feel like WWE is like you know people were bashing TNA for what they did, but the WWE is doing what they're doing. They just repackaged it just a little bit and watering it down, and people are loving it, which I don't get. Like I said, like society is confusing me. Maybe I'm in the twilight zone. I have no idea, but it's just just all seems weird to me. We're all tied into the Matrix, Kingmo. You're you're the only one who's woke right now, and I appreciate that. Well, I, I try to be. You know, I try to be. I, I, I I'm just honest. You know, like even I feel like we can all. Do, Bellator can do better. The UFC can do better. The WWE ring of we can all do better. You know, and I just I want to all do. I want us to do better as a whole, so the people that are coming up after me can can uh. Can can make a living for themselves and 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 keep this thing going. Speaking to your point on TNA, though Triple H of WWE just hired Jeremy Boras, the longtime yeah, TNA, TNA announcer yeah. producer. So maybe that's part. I heard he was on site when they filmed this Bray Wyatt Matt Hardy match at the Hardy Compound that we'll see next week on Raw. To close this podcast and this talk of wrestling, King Mo at WrestleMania 34, will Ronda Rousey be a plus or a minus? Will she disappoint? Will she entertain? Will we be like, heck yeah, she's got a future? Or will we be like, yeah, yeah? No, she'll do great. She'll do great. You know why? Because she's in there with some vets. And with pro wrestling, the people that do the littlest and do it the, do it the right way get the most out of the little. You know what I'm saying? Because like, I've worked matches where I've gone out there and Talked to trash the crowd, got some easy heat, did a few moves, talked some trash, did a few moves, hope spot, took it home. And I did that lasted for like twelve minutes. You took it you took you it know, home, of course, with that uh with that yeah. ankle ankle lock there. The uh what do you call that thing? The uh, calf crusher? The calf crusher, but I got a new move now. Cause you know, I, I you know, I'm doing um I, I do a um wrestle for this indie scene this indie show in Florida called Blueprint Wrestling. You know, we had Flip Gordon, Tommy Dreamer's coming, Stevie Richards is coming. So we're, we're, we're coming up, man. You know, we, um, we have Josh Hartney. We have a American Top Team angle with that um, organization as well. I did a match um, Saturday, a little squash match. Yes. And I, so, I, man, I, you know, as a matter of fact, like um, the next card in June, if you could come down, I'll talk to them, see, see look about bringing you down. You know what I'm saying? And you come down and check it out. That's what I'm talking pretty about. Pretty good. I'm fired up. I'm going to be watching all Mania Weekend at the Wrestle Pro Show, at the NXT, at the ROH Show, even at Mania yeah. for a potential King Mo running. I'm ready in some form. We don't know. But somebody's going to pull a mask off, and it's going to be King Mo standing right there. Come on. Hopefully, it might happen at Wrestle Circus. Yes. Wrestle Circus, look, I went to Wrestle Circus last year around like 2 o'clock after, after Mania. That was the best show. That, then Ring of Honor, then, then Mania. The best shows in order. There it is. Hands right down. There. Kingbo, we always close a show by saying we out, and we do thank Stipe Miocic for his time. But I want you to close the show by cutting a promo on Ryan Bader, May 12th, San Jose. T- tell the fans what you're going to do. Oh, man. Bader, I see you out there in Las Vegas partying. Hopefully you're out there training. Just be ready to fight. This wrestling, we can wrestle. We can box. But just be ready to lose that belt. As a matter of fact, after I beat you, I'm going to make sure Bellator changes the poster. They got to put my poster up there. 
and they got Photoshop a belt. I'll get the belt later. Just keep it nice and polished for me. I'm gonna punish you, bro. It ain't gonna be pretty. Straight up. Hands plus wrestling equals a problem. That's that. We're looking at you, Ryan Bader. For King Mo, this is BC. We out. <laughs>